Hello tea and cake listeners, it's Tammy here and with the wonders of modern technology from what, 30 miles away? Hello Chris. Hi Tammy. You alright? Yes, I, I'm in a car. I'm in, I'm in the back seat of my car. In the back seat of your car? Yes, I thought you'd enjoy that. Sitting in the back seat of my car I found out while I was sat here waiting for you. No. That the levels on the recording equipment peak at the same point when I eat a bag of quavers as when I speak, which means that I'm now going to be really paranoid when I eat quavers that I'm going to be crunching them really, really loud. I, I really don't know what to say about that, Tammy. <laughs> Shall we crack on? Yeah, let's crack on. Okay, so you wanted to talk about your latest um, GIC visit, because for the for the listeners... We are keeping a track on, on Chris's progress throughout the whole gender pathway through the NHS. Yeah, and and sort of progress is the word because, you know, things are getting really interesting. Um, yeah. Obviously, over the last few months, I've made so much progress, like, coming out, and, and now I'm kind of identifying self-expression. And, yeah. uh, I mean, for those who've, like, seen me, um, not, not a lot of people have probably seen us on the podcast, and, and hang on, I'll just plug myself here. If you do want to see what I look like, uh, you can follow me on Instagram now. It's this Chris Swift. This Chris Swift, one word. Yeah, so for those who see me, you know, I, I express myself in a very queer, non-binary, nearly stereotypical fashion. I actually uh, present myself quite femininely, but I, I keep my beard, a very short beard, but it's a beard. Yeah. And um, it was about sort of three, four years ago, I, you know, learned to work my beard for the first time. Uh, and it was something I'd never done before. And I always thought I have to shave if I want to come across femme at all. Yeah. And I thought, wow, look how good I look with this beard. This really works for me. But then it, it kind of occurred to me the last sort of few years or, or a few months, am I just compromising? Because my facial hair grows at an incredible pace. It really does. And then am I using my compromised image to define my gender identity? Mm -hmm. So because I have a beard, am I saying I'm non-binary when maybe I'd actually rather be clean-shaven and identifying female? I told uh, my therapist that for the first time on Friday. Yeah. And I think something about saying that out loud for the first time kind of resonated. And he told me it was the first time he had really shown me express that kind of strong emotion. Yeah. And what with with my they bay, my boyfriend Alex, referring to me exclusively in female pronouns, yeah. I, I'm starting to realise maybe I actually do identify as female. And that's kind of a big deal because on Friday I felt so overwhelmed with the feeling of, of maybe I've been wrong and I felt very sure on Friday that that was the case. I'm not really backtracking, but I don't know whether I might be in a bit of denial or still questioning really well you've been um saying this for a while that you're not sure where you're heading with it that it may be one thing it may not i mean it's obviously something that you've been questioning it's not something that is just completely out of the blue but from my own experience i mean i, I went through a much shorter period of thinking well could i possibly be non-binary and but then as soon as i said it i pretty much knew 
Yeah. Because putting something into words somehow makes it a reality. That thinking something or hinting at something or writing something down can't do. As well as that, that's what my that's what my therapy is for, and that's what my psychotherapy is for. Yeah. At the gender clinic to try and work some of these things out. I think it might also be combined with the fact that now my parents know I'm trans. Yeah. Like probably nothing else can shock them at this point. There is that. I updated my um my WhatsApp profile picture last week to the first time of me in makeup. It's the first time my parents have really seen me and you know, my mum said, You know what, it looks good. You look yeah. good in makeup and I was like, Bloody hell <laughs> That's validating and that was quite emotional. That was the yeah. same day I had my therapy, so you know. There's a lot of feelings and there's still a lot to work out and I I've been told, you know, that I've clearly got some fear and I've got some you know, I'm kind of angry as well and I'm scared and I'm jealous of people for so many reasons and Yeah. And that kind of, I need to get that out in a safe environment. Yeah. And and at the moment, there's no safer environment for me than, you know, with my partner who's, you know, really embraced me and has accepted me. And it's probably a huge factor in me trying to find myself. Well, that's, that's really good that you've got that support close yeah. by. Because I know that, you know, a lot of your friends are sort of scattered throughout the place. But if you've got someone physically there, that is a very, very good way of dealing with with difficult things yeah and it's not just that you know alex really truly understands yeah uh, because you know they obviously i don't want to speak too much for alex yeah um, but the, you know they're going through and have gone through similar things and can really level with how i feel and and actually you know when people say i know how you feel and quite often you might think no you don't but Alex does truly understand how I feel in regards to this, and I know that for a fact. And yeah. having someone who understands, you know, is is so helpful. That's really good. So what are your plans moving forward? I am going to have to explore myself <laughs> a bit, you know, some space, and I'm getting a kind of more of a fuck-you-all attitude and you yeah. know, making it my business to present how I want far more often. Um, because I just, I, I, I'm, I, the amount of fucks I give is sort of disappearing fast. Yeah. Which I didn't think would happen. I was like, I was like, oh, well, I'm always going to be so self-conscious about this. Or that. But no, honestly, the, the amount of fucks I give is just it's fading. It's really fading. I've got to be the best Chris Swift I can. <laughs> and uh, and I'm going to I'm gonna try and shave more. Um, yeah. I do have relentless sort of beard growth. It, it's yeah. generally back within a, an hour or two. And that's if I've, like, shaved it perfectly the first time. Uh, but you never know. I might get laser on the NHS. The other thing I'm looking to do is get all my body hair lasered because I can't... It's it's getting me down, truly getting me down. Yeah. Um, and I know it's it's going to be expensive. And hopefully I will be in the position where I can actually afford that. Now, I mean, the NHS covers... Or uh, the last time I, I checked, it covers 10 uh, laser appointments on your face and neck. So... Just like a, a you know point of information for other people who might be listening, there will need to be some additional financial outlay in order for the for the lasering. You can't get grants for it, which is which makes things very very difficult. But because it's something that a lot of trans, especially trans femmes and trans women, deal with, then there is a lot of support there and a lot of sympathy and knowing where you're coming from. I mean, obviously. What the NHS provides is the bare minimum in terms of laser treatment, uh, you know, to look presentable to other people. Also, with 
um, facial. See, I'm I'm being like all big sisterly now. <laughs> it's like we talked about it on the last podcast we did with Furry about how to mask beard shadow with makeup. So anyone that's worried about that should go back to that podcast and and have a listen. The episode was called My Favorite Topic: Pain. Pain. Yes, I wasn't on that one. I liked it. We all love Furry, don't we? I'll tell you what else Furry's doing for me. She's going to give me a bigger eyebrow arch. I'm really, like, going at my eyebrows now. I, I don't dislike my eyebrows, but, you know, let's just take it a step further. <laughs> okay, the other thing, and this is... I don't really hear people talk about this, but I think it's really important. I have hereditary baldness. I am bald. I don't know if any listeners picture that, but, you know, quite often I will present bald if I've yeah. had a fresh shave uh, with makeup and shit or sometimes with a wig... Uh, I have a lovely red wig that I've probably been wearing too long now, and it's like it's it's like channeling my inner emo, yeah. uh, which I am not. I'm I'm not really an emo. You know, I, I like the style. It's bright. It's youthful. But at some point, I'm gonna have to change, and and I'm I'm gonna look for something more mature and more sensible. You know, femme. But yeah, but uh, adult. Something I could probably sort of blend into my everyday life, and maybe at work or professional or at events. And yeah, a sort of grow, you know, in that area. Someone asked me yesterday, have you got anything I could tell someone who's about to shave all their hair off? You know, what can you say to make them feel better or to make it feel like they're making the right choice? What I said was being bald is better than having sort of hanging on to straggly bits of hair. Yeah. You know, because I did do the shave where I just thought I might as well do it. And um, the honest answer was I, I would really love hair. I would desperately love hair. The thing about wearing a wig is, for a lot of people, I mean, someone once told me, one of my, someone who was supposed to be one of my closest friends at the time, you know, referred to me presenting femme as dressing up. To me, that was just like, you don't seriously understand what the impact of presenting femme with a wig means to me. It's not a dressing up game. I'm not like putting on a costume and pretending to be someone else. I'm expressing myself. Yeah. I, I feel kind of burdened at the idea of having to put on a wig every day. I mean, you get bald females. Generally, you don't see many bald females around. And I feel like someone said, oh, you can have females with this, you can have females with that, you can have females with that. And over time, they say you can have, you know, a female with this masculine feature. You add them all up and you've just got some, someone who's completely masculine. I, I don't want to compromise. And, and that's where a lot of my frustration comes from. I've got a relentless beard... And I'm bald. So these are very superficial things. And, you know, if if, if I am a, a woman, you know, they shouldn't make me feel any less so, but of course they do. Yeah, there's how we look and how we feel are detached and we want them to be attached to each other. And the way our society is at the moment, we value women with hair. We value women with amazing skin. Sadly, we value women with lighter skin than darker skin. You know, there's so much physical pressure on women to look a certain way. And when you're trans and you don't even have the the base model to make a start on, it can be a very, very difficult experience just looking at oneself in the mirror. My psychotherapist the other day, you know, I described my experience to him and he said, well, that is gender dysphoria. And it's the first time a medical professional has said to me, that what I'm experiencing is gender dysphoria because I I wasn't sure. I I didn't think so. I didn't even think so. And then he told me and I thought, oh my God. Because I think the way he defined gender dysphoria was different to to how I'd kind of interpreted it in my head. But what he said, the way he like expressed it 
made a lot of sense to me. I think that was, you know, a hard hit point that kind of like got to me. I'm still gobsmacked in, in many ways. You know, you know, Alex sees me as very femme and female. Yeah. And sometimes it, 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 like, I can't believe that that's the case, you know? Yeah. I can't believe that they see me as, as femme and female. Tammy. Yes. I identify as non-binary, right? And you've known me for, what, eight years now? Oh, bloody yes. hell. I'm nearly the age that you were when you met me. Yes, not <laughs> quite there yet. What about me is masculine? That is a very, very difficult question. Stereotypically masculine, I mean. Stereotypically. If you're going by physical appearances, no, you've obviously no. mentioned... Not physical. Personality. If we're going by personality, by personality alone, there is nothing masculine about you that I that I identify. I don't think when you're sat on my sofa eating takeaway and we're chatting away, I don't think Chris is being really blokey today or that was a really masculine thing. There's none of that. But even if there was and you identify differently, it, it, it wouldn't matter. But personally, I I don't pick up those things from you, which means that you are not projecting them. Which I think goes to show. I think it speaks volumes. It's a clue to me. Yeah. yeah it could be a red herring, but it's a clue. I've still got some things to work out. Um, yeah. One of the things I'm trying now is I'm trying using female pronouns exclusively. Uh, yeah. Listeners, in the past, you've heard me say he or she, but I'm going to go by she pronouns from now. And it might not last, but I, I would appreciate it. From now on, Chris, we shall be using female pronouns for you because that is what you have asked. Thank you. That's very respectful, Tammy. Oh, I'm a very respectful <laughs> kind of person. You are. Respectful kind of girl. <laughs> what else has been going on? There's been something of a uh, a kickoff uh, again about straight actors playing gay roles. There has been a lot of comparing cis people playing trans people to mm. straight people playing gay people. I have a really hard time equating the two issues. Yeah, I'm not sure they really go hand in hand. For a start, when it comes to sexuality, sexuality like... I mean, it's not a mental disorder, obviously, but things like polar disorder and anxiety and and such. These are internal things which mm. make it invisible. It's something that comes through in a performance, which is why people who do have anxiety or bipolar disorder or, like me, borderline personality disorder or people who are not straight can play people who don't have those disorders and people who don't have those disorders with the, with the right amount of respectful research can portray those disorders. Whereas when something is a physicality, whether it be being trans or, say, ethnicity or a obvious disability, it makes it more difficult for people who do fall into that category to be properly represented because it's very difficult for people in those categories to play characters who aren't in those categories. I mean, for the handful of trans people who, um, I hate the word pass, I really hate the word pass, but those who are not obviously outwardly trans appearing, yes, they can play cis roles, 
but what about the narratives of the majority of of trans people who do have difficulty the thing here as well is you that i think you've got to remember is that generally when there's a trans character on a program it's normally about the trans journey it's normally about yes. someone doing a transition or as a punchline it's like appropriation i feel when you know you're going through that journey or you've been through it the way that it gets justified is that well we need a star name for this tv show or for this project whatever it may be and there just aren't enough trans performers writers trans singers whatever to call upon to to lead there's no one with that high profile to lead and it's like well maybe if you stopped casting cis actors in trans roles they'd be much more established and it's it's gotten so much better there have been so many dramas of late that have cast trans performers in trans roles and that's great when we compare that because that's what we're doing we're we're comparing it to straight actors playing playing gay characters we've had gay actors playing straight characters forever when you look at say let's look at the hobbit films at the cast let's not go uh, into whether or not they were um good great movies i <laughs> i loved them but let's not go into whether or not they were a worthy successor to the lord of the rings trilogy it was ian mckellen himself said um mm. that it was almost un it was almost unheard of even like 10 15 years beforehand that a film with so many openly gay cast members would have happened so but we've got some very long established actors in these films playing gay roles playing straight roles there isn't the same issue and it's being marketed as if it is i mean some things do apply but in this in this circumstance it's not the same no uh, and there's definitely a physicality that comes with being trans as well it's more akin to adopting a big fake nose to play Fagin in Oliver Twist or darkening your skin tone to appear of a different ethnicity, which is an absolute no-no. I think one of the things for me is, you know, let's take the Danish girl. We've got a cis writer. We've got a cis director. We've got a cis actor, a male cis actor. Are they trans allies? Are they trans rights activists are they fighting for trans causes and listening to trans podcasts or making trans podcasts no they're all cis people who are concerned with making money well that's why it's called the movie business not well yeah it's but it's it's appropriation it really is appropriation there is a, a culture and a history an understanding between trans people a big understanding you know especially when you get deeper into trans circles and make more trans friends there is an understanding about treating one another with respect, our history, all, all sorts of things like that. And a lot of explaining you don't have to do with other trans people. But when it's it's like cis people, like we're going to do something about trans folk, you're like, you've got nothing to do with this, you know? You know, a lot it's caricaturing. If I can just interrupt, a lot of productions now are actually hiring either trans writers or um, trans consultants. But a lot of stuff still seems to get through that is not quite so representative because there are those who want to get it right. Okay, let's look at the recent Silent Witness. They did their research, they consulted with trans people and they produced something that despite its morbid and its 
dark nature which is you know the course for silent witness they produced something that was very respectful of the trans community compared yeah. to any tv cop show from like the 1990s and the early 2000s as soon as there was a trans person on there it was made into jokes it was made into ridicule they got so many of the of the facts wrong and, and they didn't and they didn't hire trans writers we're we're happy to see the the efforts of graham linehan and the army of reactionary shouty people on Mumsnet have not only inspired the youtube streamer um h bomber guy to raise um he raised something like six hundred thousand dollars something like that in finances for mermaids because the the stink kicked up by i mean we've talked about this before but the stink kicked up by linehan and other trans exclusionary reactionaries it put the national lottery's offer of funding in doubt yeah the, the national lottery uh wanted to offer 500 thousand pounds over five years to mermaids and um yeah and you know the you know these anti-trans folk like graham linehan saw this funding and you know it prompted a review into the funding but they were basically saying that you know we're prompting we're, we're trying to encourage children to medical transition and that we want them to be part of a cult all this anti-trans stuff long term worked out better in, in uh, mermaid's favor didn't it yeah absolutely not only did they get the lottery funding, they got all this Donkey Kong 64 money. Yeah, they got all the extra money from, you know, donated by people who were not trans activists, not people going out much, but people that just saw the situation and thought, that's not right. People that had researched the subject and realised that, you know, this this is a hate campaign trying to prevent children from accessing the therapy they need and you know what it is it is therapy mm. that's what it is there's no hormones to preteen there's certainly no surgery and to suggest otherwise is quite frankly libelous although it's not ubiquitous that everyone knows they're trans from a young age most mm. people do i certainly knew there was something and i'm i'm pretty sure it was I knew it was something with gender, yeah. Yeah, and that's in no way invalidating those who realise later in life, because that is equally as valid. There's this stink being kicked up in your neck of the woods, actually, over in Birmingham, about a school teacher who added LGBT people to classes on equality. It wasn't like like a lesson on being queer. It wasn't like it's not how to be gay. You should all be gay. Yeah. Tuesday morning, double maths, break, double English, lunch, double gay. It wasn't that. It was talking about all inclusion and all equality. And because there was a, a, a queer element to it, the, the staff, because it was a more conservative religious area, absolutely lost their collective shit over it. Yeah. And they're trying to get this, this guy sacked because they're saying oh it's not part of our lifestyle it's like it's not a choice you're gonna have gay kids they just happen you know but the things we we were all taught in school how to be straight weren't we yeah you know yeah, not only was it just assumed that you were straight you were also taught how to be properly straight there were lessons on relationships and this was this was last millennium you know this was a fucking era ago 
from most people's perspective yeah that we were taught about the ideal family unit and there were kids in my class there were young people in my class from homes that didn't have that ideal family unit that was being broken homes that was at the time that was what the government wanted they wanted to it was like part of the sort of back to basics morality. And just going to say, this was for you, this was in the 18 years of conservative rule under Thatcher and Major. And you know what? I, I didn't have that same kind yeah. of... I had a different experience to you, a slightly more open one, under, well, new Labour, but nevertheless Labour. Yes, well, I will just say about new Labour, it took them four years from getting into office mm. to scrapping Section 28. It was was scrapped in 2001. Bloody Blair. There's also something that's happened recently, and it's about that that girl who went to join IS (laughs) when she was 15. Now, I am no lover of IS, and I'm not going to sit here and and defend her decision or anything like that. You know, that's not what I'm doing. But it is interesting to note that while a lot of people are screaming that she should be left where she is she should be brought back and thrown in jail other people suggesting some rather violent solutions to to her situation of something that she did when she was a kid the venn diagram of people that feel that and people who seem to feel that someone under the age of 18 can't make a decision to whether to transition or not it's very much an overlap so what is it is 15 too young to make a decision about your own identity or is it enough to condemn you for making a a decision that is equally as impactful on one's life because so oh no you're too young you're still a child need to sing from the same hymn sheet on things to start with Fucking hell, what she was thinking, I don't know. I mean, the chances are that she was probably groomed, and that's that's a frightening prospect. It's, it's very frightening. It is a frightening prospect that someone is groomed to join extremist organisations. It's not like we are short on extremist organisations over here. Yeah, let's wrap this up then. We shall, we shall wrap this up. We are certainly wrapping it up. We are wrapping it up. Excellent. So, how are you feeling in general at the moment? Is there trepidation, optimism? Uh, I, I go, I'm going through all these phases of different things. Yeah. So, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see, and we will catch up with you soon. Uh, as I say, I'm just going to plug myself uh, again. Uh, okay. Um, uh, by which I mean plug my Instagram. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. going to say, don't, don't be dirty. Dirty this, Chris. Yeah, follow dirty me. Girl. Okay, yeah. stop. Don't call me a dirty girl. Um, <laughs> I'm a nice, clean girl. Um, yeah, follow me on Instagram. This Chris Swift. Uh, at the moment, I've got it set to private. That'll probably change sometime soon. But if you follow me, I will know uh, that you're trans, most likely, <laughs> or, or an ally, or an, ally. Of, an ally with enough dedication to sit and listen to like 40 minutes of us waffling. I will be posting content and I might have some new platforms of expression. I might be doing some more music, some more modeling, photos. Uh, you can see me out and about with my they bay, Alex. With your they uh, bay? Yeah. And 
of course, I will be posting things about the podcast as well. And, and some sexy videos, too. Uh, not sexy okay. videos, uh, but they will certainly be aesthetically pleasing videos. I would just like to give one quick little mention. I hope everybody has got the 8th of June, as a Saturday, in their diaries for the Nottingham Trans Picnic. The what? Is the Nottingham Trans Picnic. I've never heard you mention this at the end of every single podcast before. Yes, I am mentioning it. I'm mentioning a lot of it. And also, there's going to be some music. Do you think I should play some music? I think you should play some music. I might play some music at the event uh, and just be very, very queer generally, which I, I, I tend to have no issue doing. Excellent. <laughs> right. We'll see you all at some point soon, listeners. Uh, so this is a goodbye from me, Chris Swift. And a goodbye from her. And goodbye from her, too. <laughs> Bye.